Grand Rising, everyone. I listen to love, spirit, and coffee. Got my coffee here. Mm hmm. Fabuloso. Very good. All right, let's get started. Reading the Emerald Tablet, Alchemy for Personal Transformation. Um, um, and we had a pretty good talk yesterday about how we are alchemy in motion. We are. And we can co-create and we can develop our own alchemy um, with the elements around us, earth, water, air, fire. Um, and we can do that. Um, so we're going to continue reading on. Okay, at the other end of the intellectual spectrum, scientists working in quantum mechanics and astrophysics are forced to confront the divine presence concealed in matter. Physicists are slowly realizing that both ends of the universe, from the smallest atom to the largest galax galaxy consciousness, the mind of the Emerald Tablet, plays a fundamental role in creating reality. The stream of knowledge, summarized astronomers, astro astronomer Sir James Jeans, is heading towards a non-mechanical reality. The universe begins to look more like a great thought um, than like a great machine. Mind no longer appears as an accidental intruder into the realm of matter. Um, we are beginning to suspect that we ought rather to hail it as a creator and governor of the realm of matter. So thought is the creator in the realm of matter. It's kind of crazy too. If you if you look at, and this always kind of trips me out, um, and you guys can just give me some insight to what you think, but when you're looking in outer space, you see galaxies and you're seeing all this stuff, it kind of looks like an eyeball, right? If you kind of look at it, it almost looks like the iris and then the eye, you know, it looks like an eye is, you know, staring in at us in some form, in some fashion. And I always kind of wonder, I'm like, there's some big eyeball just thinking us into existence um and and you know <laughs> it i guess it would be thinking us but also observing us into existence because the the biggest thing with quantum physics right is that things don't exist until we observe observe them um you know so there's not a point in other words particles behave as waves and 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 um and particles and so we're like, well, what is it? Is it a particle? Is it a wave? What is it? And until we observe it, it doesn't find a point of existence. And we're looking at that from a bigger perspective. Well, if it takes up us observing it, what's observing us? And so that kind of, <laughs> my mind kind of goes there. And if you kind of see some of these things look like eyeballs, they're just staring in at us. So it's almost like the mind is observing us or we've become an observation of some other species, perhaps. I don't know. Kind of weird. But if you look at it, again, the patterns repeat themselves. The eyeballs just allow us to maybe focus in on a specific atom or piece of matter, and then we can co-create with it and develop something new. Um, kind of weird. Okay, the alchemists believe that just um, as there are alchemists that made up the physical reality in the below, so must there be similar elements as the above through which the Godhead operates. Um, they saw these heavenly elements as universal principles, a trinity of forces acting on everything. Using the same intuitive process that proved, uh, that proved to them there existed four archetypal elements in the below, so did that they three basic forces in the above. 
It is an idea that goes back to the roots of alchemy, as we can see from this section, written in monotheistic, Persian, mystic, Zoroaster, Zoroaster uh, around 600 BCE. For the mind of the Father said that all things should be cut into three, whose will ascendant, and, and then all things were so divided. For the mind of the Eternal Father spoke into three parts, governing all by mind. And there appeared within one thing, the triad, and all things flowed forth. So there's this thing that one in one equals two, and really it's not. It, it equals three. Um, because we have, and it's, we can see this in alchemic process, even with human beings, right? When two people get together and they make a baby, right? There's two, and then out comes a three, something new is born. So out of two elements kind of maybe playing together or coming together or uniting together creates this new this new thing comes out of it um and so that's part of it is the three the triad um something else that i wanted to talk about was the mechanistic worldview and what we're actually shifting into and why it's been so difficult for individuals especially people that are in um positions of power so we think about these individuals that are in, you know, the one percenters that everybody talks about and, and whatnot, they really utilized the mechanistic worldview. Messen uh, the mechanistic worldview says that there's a duality. There's a black and white, wrong and right, up and down. Now we experience duality, but really it's a wholeness. Really there's not a duality. It only seems that there's this separate way of existing, but really there's not. Plants and animals we think are perhaps separate from us, but they're not. We're, we're in partnership through this invisible um, energy, like carbon dioxide and oxygen, right? There's this thing we can't see. They're feeding us oxygen, we're, key, we're feeding them carbon dioxide, and this partnership is back and forth. So we're still interconnected. We still have a partnership with everything around us. Our entire environment, right, is interconnected. So when we start to look through quantum physics, we start to see that this partnership gets even crazier, right? There's quantum entanglement. There's all these different things that they do when they look at particles. If two particles have uh, ever joined together and they separate, they never really separate, right? They call it um, spooky something at a distance. Um, and I can't remember, Einstein said that. So we have this idea. So we're starting to look at a new worldview. Now, science is shaping the way that we see the world from a different lens. And what it's saying is, oh, shoot, science is realizing that we can't take the spirit out of it. We can't take God or we can't take a higher energy out of it. They don't necessarily say God. They don't necessarily say spirit, but we know that there's something greater happening there that we can't even describe or understand. And so we're starting to look at it through the lens of, you know, religious practices and all that other stuff. Really, I just say it's alchemy. It's alchemy in motion, spiritual alchemy. And so we start to see that now this changes the worldview and this is really important. And I wanted to spend time talking about it because we are trying to understand why a lot of people are trying to understand why do we see the world the way it is today what's going on why is all this craziness happening and it's because there's a shift in consciousness 
And there's a shift in the way that we are actually viewing the world based on the data that we're receiving from science. Science once said that it was mechanistic, and that's because we had classical physics. Classical physics puts us in the paradigm or puts us in the mindset that the world is mechanical and we're like machines, but that doesn't work. See, that's no longer true anymore. Science is meant to be questioned and it's meant to evolve. It's not going to always stay the same. So we can't say there's absolute truth in science. That's why it's called theory. What we can say is that, yeah, we've observed things and we can say that we know for maybe 99.9 or maybe even 100% certainty that when I do something, this is what's going to happen, like gravity. If I throw something up in the air, I'm almost 100% positive it's going to fall back down. If it doesn't, which it's happened to me, then we got to go, what the hell was that? And that's probably the 99.9%. What I mean by that is, I, I've told this story before. I was washing dishes one day. My niece and my neighbor were there. We were having coffee and tea and we were talking and all that stuff. And I knocked down a fork on the floor. And what happened? It disappeared. There was, it, nobody could find it. So did it go down? Did gravity take it? Or did it leap into some other existence? I don't know, right? But kind of strange where we can say that, yeah, that's weird. But was there an explanation? No, there's not an explanation because we actually remodeled the kitchen and the fork never showed up. Kind of strange, right? And there was two other people to witness this event happen. How do you explain that? You can't. Those are things that we don't necessarily have scientific grounding for. You know, we could try to explain it. We could try to say what happened. I almost wonder what physicists like Einstein or all these other individuals would say about it, right? There's always like, oh, there's always a reasoning behind it or there's always a way to describe it. What do we say that it's a quantum warp or something? Like there's a hole there. I don't know how you would explain that. And so, but we can say that the mechanistic worldview is no longer serving humanity. Um, science says something different. Now we're going into more integral practice where we bridge, right, the internal and external. One thing science did take out is the actual observer themselves and their experience. We are experiencing something internally. So from an alchemist, an alchemist, our spiritual alchemist perspective, we look internally for answers. Okay, as within, so without, as above, so below, because we internally is where the answers come from. There's an experience in participating. So even in science, if we're looking through a lens or a scope, the observer themselves is experiencing something. And and really science says keep that out. That doesn't have no place in science, but now we're saying no, now yeah, it does, because if we don't have an observer, there's nothing there to observe. So we co-participate in the experiment regardless. Even if we don't want to, we're part of it, right? The particles don't exist or don't find order until we start to look at them and observe them. It's kind of weird and hard to understand. And, and that's, the, that's where there's this big conundrum in science and in quantum science and quantum physics and and classical physics and, and all that. We know as matter builds up, there's some sort of order to the matter. And that matter then becomes this like what looks like solid 
solid, but mostly it's empty space. It's weird. It's really strange. How do we describe it? How do we explain it? Well, we have to change our worldview. So our worldview is changing the way that we um, interrelate to the world around us structurally. Now, this is not just how we think about the world, but how we educate the world, how we communicate in the world, how we participate with other individuals in the world. And so it's like looking at like, for instance, structures of like education. Education is going to have to change, right? There's this big gap in how we're teaching and what's really happening. So we have to start teaching differently. We start to see the world different. If we're co-participating with the world, then we have to have a different way of engaging the world. It's called partnership. Instead of saying we have dominion. Now, the other day, a guy was on here. He was like, we have dominion. I said, oh, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't use that language. That's fine if other people still want to use that language. But there's a consequence behind that, thinking that we have dominion. We, we don't. We're co-participating with all of the elements and everything around us. There's not, we don't have dominion. And here's, here's the simplest way that I can say we don't have dominion. You're not making your heart beat. Your heart just beats. The energy potential or the spirit or whatever you want to call it that makes our heart beat without us having to do anything is in partnership with something greater than, than we are. We don't have dominion over that. If we had dominion over it, we would have to sit there pumping our heart to make ourselves live. We don't. And we take that for granted. We have to have a heart to live. It pumps, it pumps our blood. It purifies our blood. Our heart is just constantly working. It doesn't stop beating. Where's the beat coming from, right? Where is that vibrational tonality beat coming from? I'm not doing it. It just does it itself. <laughs> oh, somehow we forget to talk about that, right? Oh, but I have dominion because I have a brain. And my brain says that I can control situations and manipulate situations. And then we do this. We manipulate and try to control situations. And all we do is end up with a big mess. That's what we do as humans. And we cause destruction. And it's usually self-sabotage. Now, we have sabotaged other animals and other things. Um, the reality is we're killing ourselves. That's the reality. And in it, we look at it as a species and we're like, what are we doing? It doesn't even make sense. All other species will work in harmony with nature. We're like trying to rise above it because we think we have dominion over it. And we don't. And if we looked at the way that natives worked and, and ancient cultures, they were working in harmony with all of the plant life and animal life. And to them, they were as real and as human as they are. And somehow we separated and said we are above. Well, I would say we're not so smart as we think we are. We're, we're, we're intelligent in, in a way of questioning and looking for answers and, and trying to figure out scientifically why we're here. So our consciousness is different. Doesn't mean that we're smarter. 
Not trying to put down the human species, but, you know, the results of what we've created are not doing anybody any good. If you can look at the way the world is running, we can say maybe we haven't done so great. It kind of doesn't look like we've done such a great job. So what do we do? Well, we reclaim our life and we start working in partnership instead of saying we have dominion and that we can control it and we can conjure up all these crazy spells and whatever the hell they're doing. I mean, they they used alchemy to create bombs and nuclear warfare and all this stuff. And rather than use it for something that's peaceful and harmonious with nature, they used it to um, create dominion and colonize. And there you go. That's the effect of a mechanistic world. We're just machines. We're not, there's nothing else but machine. There's no kind of a machine. If we look at a machine, there's no consciousness there really, right? If we looked at computers or trying to figure out if computers can have consciousness, if they can actually start to self-actualize. And it's a possibility. I'm not going to say that it's not. Hey, LaRock, a possibility that, you know, we, that computers could perhaps have self-consciousness. I don't know. It's a possibility. But from the mechanistic worldview, basically what they were saying is that we're just machines and that we don't have consciousness, pretty much. Because a machine is just there to function for just one purpose, right? And so when we look at it, we're saying, oh yeah, you're just a machine. And we, we were treated that way. And we still are today, treated as machines. When you think about it, when you go to work and you're, you're supposed to like have all this output um, and you can get no rest and, you know, and we've had conditions like this where they're like no breaks, no. And then people started saying, what? We're human beings. We're not machines. But even machines will break down if you overwork them too, but they don't complain. They just, that's what their function is, but we're not that. There's consciousness in us. And then they started to go, oh shit, maybe this doesn't really work. This worldview is not really going to work. We're really not machines. <laughs> we kind of look like machines. I mean, we operate similar to machines in some way, right? You know, our bodies, the way they work, but there's so much more. There's so much more to it. You know, we metabolize um, energy. And that, again, I talked about metabolism the other day, which is probably the single most important thing that we can do for ourselves is understand our metabolism and how to metabolize things um, because that's where our energy comes from. So it's understanding that our energy is there. So now the worldview is changing. We're, we have what's called life systems. You guys can look at these paradigm shifts. Life systems is one. There's integral, um, which is integrating and we're kind of past that. And I think life systems is sort of taking root because when we look at integration, um, our integral practices, um, we still kind of go too far to the right and not enough left and we need both. So science and spirit or science and alchemy, well, alchemy is science. Al alchemy is everything. But within it, if we looked at the duality and the separation we created of left brain, right brain, where we have intuition and science, we need both. We need intuition. 
it started off through intuition. It didn't start off as science, right? Pseudoscience, right? It was us observing the world and questioning and, and observations. And before you know it, science arose and it went too far into the scientific method. Now we're coming back and saying, oh, we need some intuition. You know, how do you think outside the box if you're just looking in the box, right? Or how do you know what's in the box if you're only looking outside the box? So we need both. And that's kind of what's happening now. That's the paradigm that you guys are in. So we see the result of that showing up a little weird. There's, and if we looked at it on a scale of, you know, the basic diagram where we have outliers and early adopters, you know, that economic um, model. Um, and I can't remember what it's called. So you guys can write in here if you remember. Um, but we have these these outliers, these people who are saying crazy things, right? That people don't understand. They're going like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and then they're like, and then you have some that are sort of going, wait, I kind of get what you're talking about. I need more. Let me get more information. And then you start to see this shift in consciousness and the way people language is shaped. We start to speak differently. We start to understand certain concepts that are different not only conceptually, but we embody it and we start to experience it and we start to say, oh, I'm getting it now. And before you know it, more and more people are coming along for the ride. But we're at the beginning phases of a new paradigm. It's just brand new for some people. It's not new for a lot of people. The early adopters are the outliers. We've been talking about it for quite some time. And now we have early adopters coming on, the ones who can stay on here long enough to listen <laughs> so maybe we're like oh i can't handle this thumb over it whatever but you know the one and then there's the ones that are still stuck in the old system and and they're gonna be there for a while and then eventually they'll come along for the ride because everybody will start to move in that direction and they'll start saying no oh, i don't want to be left behind and then they'll start to understand this stuff but that's where we're at. We're, we're shifting into a new paradigm. And again, it all comes from the process of alchemy. Nothing stays the same. If we thought the world was going to stay the same forever, we were, you know, tricking ourselves, tricking ourselves like we trick ourselves that we can change people. We can't. People will spend their whole life trying to change an individual and they can't. You just can't. Right? So that's what we did. We we tricked ourselves into believing that. So the reality is, is we're shifting. And things won't stay the same. We get to change into the way it's changing and shaping and molding. That's up to us to transition through. And it's going to be painful for some people. Um, I already, you know, you see it with this whole pandemic, everything that happened really shook up a lot of people. They didn't know how to handle it. Um, they were going crazy and it was spiritual. It was a spiritual warfare. It's what I call it. It's a spiritual thing because why? Well, scientifically we have data, but spiritually we weren't grounded because we were so looking at the science and we forgot to look at ourselves. And this kind of forced us into looking at ourselves and some people didn't want to see what was there. They'd spent so much time looking at the science or doing the mechanistic worldview, which is just 
go to work, come home, go to work. They were so focused in on that, that they forgot that there was this intuition, that this thing that was happening inside of them that was like calling for their attention and not looking at it. We can call that the spirit. We could call it the energy potential, however you want to look at it. Your intuition, your internal happening wasn't looked at. It was ignored. And then people all of a sudden, as the whole entire economy stopped at a halt, right? That's really what happened when you think about it. You just like hit the brakes on the entire world, not even just a country. The entire world hit the brakes. And it was like whiplash for most people. And they're like, now what the hell did we do? Freaking out. People were freaking out. It, 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 the, people had to look at themselves. I mean, families, whole families parted. I mean, it, it really, every single person had some sort of, of, of internal, or were forced to look internally is what I'll say. They were kind of forced to look at their relationships. I heard it over and over again. I don't think I could be friends with the same people that I've been friends with. I don't know if I can handle my family anymore. I've never been at home so long with these people. I didn't realize who they were because I don't even really get to spend time with them the way I have. You know, it, it really shook us to the core and said, wake up. I need you to listen to me internally what's going on. And now we're faced with re-looking at the world again. The world started operating again, right? If we did see it as a machine because it's been based on the, the mechanistic worldview. Our entire system is based on this worldview. And the machine started to want to work again. And people said, well, I'm not a machine, so I don't really want to work. You're, you're working me like I'm a machine and you're not even paying me enough. I'm, I'd rather not. I'd rather do what internally is happy for me. And that means letting go of family, letting go of people, letting go, and things shifted. So there was this great shift and really all it was was saying, look at yourself, look at who you are, look at who you are as an individual and ask yourself, are you willing to move forward with the way that you've been operating? How do we, how do we get a little closer to operating in partnership with everything around us rather than trying to manipulate it and control it? We can't control it. When we try to control it, all we do is speed up the process of our own damnation. That's what we're doing. Let's speed up the process. Let's control it. We have dominion. This is our planet. Let's just go make nuclear whatever. Let's just go take off all the trees. Let's, and then all we're doing is killing off species, which is killing ourselves off because we need certain species to live. We're not co-participating, okay? We're, we're being brats and we're saying it's all mine and rather than saying, oh, wait, we should, probably, we should probably think about this a little bit. No, that's not how we're operating. So now we're shifting consciousness. And, and we see the younger ones looking at the results of the mechanistic worldview and they're saying, shit, what's going to be left for us? Nothing. <laughs> they didn't even think about that. <laughs> they didn't even care to think about that. Because they were, they were the ones who had dominion over everything. They're the ones who were, you know, had control. Oh, they were at the top of the food chain. They were the great. Like, the arrogance behind that statement to me is just beyond. It's fine. 
Okay, not right, wrong, good, or bad. It's already happened. But there is an arrogance there. An arrogance that doesn't say, I co-participate with the world around me. People are starting to say, oh, shit. And we look at it from the indigenous perspective where they prophesized that this would happen. And that children would return to the old ways. Well, yeah. If we don't, we're just going to demolish it all. <laughs> we are self-sabotaging creatures, aren't we? I love my fellow humans, but I will say that I just don't. Sometimes I don't get it. I just don't get it. I'm trying really hard. Get in front of these people. And just, I don't even know that I'd say anything. I might just look at them and just go, wow, you're a piece of work. <sighs> you get in front of people, don't give a shit. They just don't care. It's crazy. I mean, I've seen it, right? I'm sure you have too. I'm sure you've been in front of those people that just don't care. People are like, well, they're reptilians. They're this, they're that. Regardless of what they are, alien, not alien, I don't care. They don't give a shit. Let's just put it that way. It is their agenda ain't the same. Their mindset ain't the same. Their worldview ain't the same. They don't care. You know, what about future generations? And there's like no emotion, maybe. <laughs> They're so left and scientific and who cares about what's to come? I don't care. Crazy. I mean, I don't know. It's a trip. I don't understand it, but I guess it's not for me to understand. I can observe it, speak into it, but I can't change the mind of those individuals. They're going to be who they be. And right now, they be very immature children fighting over resources they think they own, which is they don't own it. <laughs> so, anywho. Okay, I'm not going to go in any further <laughs> into that rant. But the planet can cleanse itself. Oh, yeah. Whenever it feels. Oh, yeah. For sure. You're right, Rock. We're just like this minuscule thing. And whatever happens after us is the way it's to be. But we are interesting creatures. <laughs> so if we want to start to heal, I highly recommend that you just allow yourself to be the alchemy. The alchemist and the alchemy and the vessel. And work in harmony as much as you can within this world. Okay? I'm not perfect either. I'm socialized. There's a ton of waste that I do. I mean, dependent on the system. Not 100% sure how to live outside of it fully. Um, but again, part of the system. And my way of trying to understand and give back is by doing these things and educating. And hopefully there's this next rising consciousness and we can start to work together to heal um and that's kind of my the way that i do it so um and you guys all have your way but no one's perfect and i would never say that i am because i'm not <laughs> all right so there you have it i love you guys have the most great magical day ever and of course i will be seeing you tomorrow we'll continue to read through the emerald tablet um and i love you guys bye, -bye.